surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and I'm so grateful and so excited to have you here with me today. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about patriarchal stress disorder. That sounds like a fun one, don't it? And before we get into today's episode with our lovely guest, I'm going to give you all a little update on where things are at in my life, in my renovation. There's lots of changes happening. So for those of you that want to hear a little bit of an update, we'll kind of start there. And then I'll share a little bit about my guest and get into our topic of the day. So as usual, you know, we're going to talk about things that are meant to make you feel a little uncomfortable, that might trigger you in some way, that might feel harmful for you in some way. So as always, I hope that you are doing everything that you need to do to take care of yourself as you listen. And sometimes that might mean you need to pause and maybe not listen for a second. Um, So just make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Um, Give yourself permission to do that, whatever that looks like. And something I'm having to practice a lot. Uh, So some of you might have seen that I've been posting a little bit on my Instagram of just, you know, the stress of the renovation. And I got to say, it's you know, I'm kind of giving this update on this episode feels very fitting because we're talking about patriarchy stress disorder. Um, but it has been way harder than I ever thought like this process could be. And I'll probably do an episode, you know, further down the road, hopefully when things are done, sharing some reflections, things I've learned, things I would do differently. But right now I am incredibly unhappy. I wish I could share more. I don't know how to share more because it's a really sticky situation. And I just feel, I guess I I can share how I feel. (laughs) I feel very stuck. I feel very trapped. I feel taken advantage of. I feel belittled. I feel scolded. I feel less than. I feel unheard. I feel unvalued, devalued. Uh, I feel attacked. Uh, I feel um, gaslit. Um, I feel displaced. Um, I feel stressed. (laughs) I feel regretful. Um, and I feel frustrated and all of these things just come, I mean, it's overwhelming all of these combined. And it's also an individual feeling of feeling overwhelmed on its own. So, Patriarchy stress disorder definitely coming into play uh, more in a direct way in my life. Um, there is just so many elements that I really hope to share in a beneficial way. And I'm trying to even check myself on my own boundaries around this experience in terms of what is necessary to share and what isn't. And that's always a really tricky, interesting line to walk in terms of being a quote-unquote public person on Instagram and on the podcast, right? And I think in the past, I've just felt like, well, there's always a purpose like for sharing everything, you know, and haven't been as intentional in the past about it as I would like to be. And also in this situation, I just like, I have to be because shit could get really bad. Um, So figuring it out, touching base with myself as to what boundaries look like. (laughs) And I also really want to make sure that what I share is actually helpful for you. And 
I know even as I say that, what I always tell myself is, well, it's always helpful. Anything you say is helpful. If it is you being authentic and you being vulnerable and it doesn't have to be specifically, stereotypically, societally, acceptably, educational or informative. Sometimes it is the most trivial, ordinary things that are helpful because we feel seen, we feel held, we feel validated, um, we have a sense of connection in that experience being shared in those thoughts or, you know, experience being shared. So I know no matter how I share it, it will be helpful, but I do want to be intentional about how I share it. And that's really with everything, but specifically, especially with the renovation and the layers of fuckery that are happening. So (laughs) y'all, the brain is such a funny thing in my head. I'm about to say, so I hope that this has felt helpful for you (laughs) to hear, you know, we like walk through this process. (laughs) Um, so thank you for listening, for holding some space for that. And I hope there are things that you can take away from it. Uh, so let's get into a little bit to what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk to Dr. Rain, who is a psychologist. She is a woman's mental health expert, and she has discovered patriarchy stress disorder. She has named it. She has identified it. And... We're going to talk about what it is, like how you identify it. And you will get also a little sneak peek into like what my dissertation is, my doctoral project, what I'm thinking of in terms of that. So you will get little sneak peeks of that throughout this. Um, And just to tell you a little bit more about Dr. Valerie Rain, uh, she holds an EDM in psychological counseling from Columbia University and a PhD in psychology from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. She has a best-selling book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder. Uh, So if you've not checked that out, we will have it linked here. Uh, It's Patriarchy Stress Disorder, The Invisible Inner Barrier to Women's Happiness and Fulfillment. Wow. That word was hard to get out and I could write this down as an edit note and cut that part out, but you know what? Authenticity. It happens sometimes. Sometimes you are not a perfect speaker, talker, and I hope you feel seen. I am not going to shame myself on that. (laughs) So I hope y'all check out the book and we can get into it now. Let's just get straight to it because we've got so many things to unpack here and... I hope you share it with your friends. I hope as always you come into this um, episode with an open mind, an open heart, and open ears. And let's talk about patriarchy stress disorder. All right. So welcome Dr. Valerie Rain to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. So happy to be here with you, Taylor. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, first of all, just right off the bat, like amazing topic, amazing topic, <laughs> patriarchy, stress disorder. This is something that I think needs to be talked about, something that I don't think people know necessarily how to identify. So I'm really excited to get into all of this. Um, mm-hmm. I would love for us to start off with you just kind of sharing a little bit of how you got to this place. Like, how did you get mm-hmm. even to this topic? <laughs> well, let's keep it in this lifetime and, uh, <laughs> and uh, really fast forward. Um, it, it did, it did um, guide me uh, through my whole life, that question of what's wrong with me? Mm. What's wrong with me? That was the defining question of my childhood and adolescence and again, adulthood. 
And um, you can probably relate to, and our listeners can probably relate to where this question is coming from. Mm -hmm. All these messages about, oh, you laugh too loud. People don't like that. Or don't be so smart. Boys are not going to want to date you or marry you. Mm -hmm. Okay, trying to walk that tightrope between uh, being too much or not being enough. And that sense of what's wrong with me has really been that defining question that led me to study psychology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and after two graduate degrees, yes, uh, I, I, I've been that person. Uh, I thought I really had it all. Like I had everything I had wanted and worked hard for. I had a thriving private practice. I had a family, a home. I loved my work. I loved my people. And one day I was on the phone with a client when I noticed I was smiling only with the right side of my face and the left side of my face just hung in there and as did my left arm. And I ended up driving myself to the emergency room. And after checking me, um, scanning me up and down for hours, they presented me with the official diagnosis of quote unquote, just stress. Hmm. And that was really shocking for me because I did not feel stressed. I felt exactly the same way I felt probably my entire life. Yes, my life was full. Uh, But that was just normal, right? That just Mm. felt normal. And lying there on the hospital gurney, another uncomfortable realization was creeping in, which is once that security blanket of stress and workaholism started slipping underneath it, that question, what's wrong with me, was still there. Mm -hmm. I was still alive and well underneath all my accomplishments and years of therapy and tons of self-help books Mm -hmm. and workshops and seminars and getting certified as a yoga instructor and uh, all these things. And it was a despairing moment because I actually did not know what else to do. And thankfully, I had my own clients to look up to for hope because somehow they were shifting out of that disconnection and numbness and not feeling good enough to the fullness of their lives. So what was I doing for them that I wasn't doing for me? Mm -hmm. And the answer was with all of my clients, I was using mind-body trauma healing tools, even if they didn't really talk about any big traumatic experiences. They they had quote-unquote normal childhoods, Mm -hmm. normal lives, and yet they all showed this telltale symptom of trauma, Mm -hmm. which is disconnection, disconnection from parts of themselves, from the life of their authentic desires, from parts of their bodies. And well, my disconnection had to really um, sound the alarm by taking my left side of the body offline Mm -hmm. for me to pay attention and to start asking myself, well, could I too have trauma? And if so, could there be some kind of trauma that we're not even talking about? which is much more common than we acknowledge. And research on epigenetics in the field of epigenetics was popping up everywhere at the time, showing that traumatic experiences are genetically transmitted. And that was my light bulb moment. Wait a minute, women have been oppressed for thousands of years. Our bodies did not belong to us. Our children did not belong to us. We could not love who we loved. We could not make our own money. We could not express ourselves authentically, our brilliance, our sexuality. That is traumatic and trauma is genetically transmitted. So now we're in a situation where we can do a lot more things. And the more we reach for these things that we want to do, the more our nervous system keeps on signaling unsafe, 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 because that ancient trauma well, not that ancient, actually. <laughs> we keep getting re-traumatized. This trauma that I've termed patriarchy stress disorder keeps getting triggered. And it shows up in all these different ways for women from a lack of happiness and satisfaction to holding themselves back to not being able to enjoy uh, the fruits of our hard work and the good lives that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, I, I couldn't help but like, I think my relationship specifically to, you know, disorders and like the DSM in particular, mm-hmm. um, I, I find that majority of it is just trauma response. Um, and so part of me feels very hesitant. Uh, I'm not big in diagnosis. I don't work with insurance, so I'm not required to. Um, Mm -hmm. but part of me feels really like resistant to, uh, disorder and, you know, it makes total sense that like, it's a trauma response. Right. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm wondering for you what kind of, work or identification is there for you in like the intersections around patriarchy Mm -hmm. stress disorder because I'm hearing you speak about women and yes women are highly impacted by patriarchy um I think men and non-binary folks and every gender suffers from patriarchy Mm -hmm. and you know as you're saying like the the history with women I'm like oh yeah like absolutely some of that is still recent shit and then also there's the different layers and different experiences for women who are perhaps disabled or who mm-hmm. are black or who are women of color mm-hmm. um yeah. to where i'm almost like oh yeah like is misogynoir patriarchy stress disorder a thing like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so i'm wondering how you find um or how you identify kind of the intersections around this identification of patriarchy stress disorder. Yeah, I love your question in this exploration. There are so many and infinity of intersections. Mm -hmm. And there are so many strands, if you will, of intergenerational trauma. Uh, Some of them are rooted in oppression, such as racism, and that trauma is very much has Mm -hmm. that intergenerational nature and it very much is still being people are still getting Mm re-traumatized just like with patriarchy so these are very similar and of course for women of color the two strands interplay and Mm -hmm. intersect and uh, what i find in these exploring these intersections is although um traumas are like we all live under patriarchy, mm-hmm. but the experience of white women yeah. and women of color and, uh, well, if we break it down in even more groups, right, the experience is going to be different mm-hmm. and the adaptations are going to be different mm-hmm. um, be, uh, in part based on these intersections. So understanding, so that's why I, I like the frame. I'm totally with you on uh, seeing the, the DSM diagnostic categories as just, well, yes, these Mm -hmm. are conditions that are pretty much trauma expressions and adaptations, and then they got pathologized. And Mm -hmm. we know that women are over-pathologized, people of color Mm -hmm. over-pathologized, LGBTQ folks are over-pathologized, people with disability, right? Let's just have a diagnosis on everyone. So in a way, yeah. calling this patriarchy stress disorder, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, tongue mm-hmm. right? I definitely, yeah. it's not a DSM diagnostic yeah. category, nor <laughs> I, I don't see it yeah. ever becoming one, but rather a way to see, to separate the problem um, out of where we see it as something is wrong with us. Yes. Yes. I am failing. I am holding myself back. Mm -hmm. I am not achieving or I am achieving but not enjoying. Um, Or I have a problem with anger. I have an issue with anxiety. It's not you. There is nothing wrong with you. And what you're experiencing are natural reactions Mm -hmm. to being oppressed Mm -hmm. or other kinds of trauma. And understanding that I find very empowering. Mm -hmm. Seeing that, okay, it is a natural reaction. My body, mind, my system is actually responding appropriately. Yeah. Depression is a natural reaction to being oppressed. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is a natural reaction yeah. to be to feeling unsafe. Yeah. And uh that's been women's experience focusing on women, but as you said, mm-hmm. it is true for people of color, it is true for people with disability, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, every group that has been marginalized. Mm-hmm. 
And for women of people and people of color, it does have the genetic Mm -hmm. intergeneration component as well. So seeing it as not centered on you and like you being the problem to seeing, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. this is actually me responding to all these conditions, it gives people leverage. First of all, it lets us off the hook of trying to fix what's not broken and being caught in the hamster wheel. If only I lose 15 pounds, if only I, you know, I read more self-help books, if only, Mm -hmm. if only, if only, if only I find a partner or a better job, I will be happy to understanding what is actually creating these conditions in us. Mm -hmm. And unpacking these traumas and ultimately healing them. Mm -hmm. They're all healable. Yeah. (laughs) And as science is on our side, just like it uh, shows that traumatic experiences are genetically transmitted, so is healing. (sighs) And not only is it uh, genetically transmitted, uh, but uh, we affect everyone as we show up more and more authentically, mm-hmm. we have more permission to be who we are. We feel more safety in being who we are. Mm-hmm. And that gives permission to everyone around us. Mm-hmm. To me, this is our greatest contribution to world peace and healing and ultimately like d- dismantling all these systems of oppression mm-hmm. when we heal ourselves. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is very much speaking to what I'm doing with my dissertation very, very much because I mean, it is, as you said, we are not the problem. Our, Mm -hmm. our difficulties, the things that we struggle with are directly impacted and influenced and created by the systems in which we are experiencing trauma. And Mm -hmm. it is everywhere. (laughs) It is absolutely everywhere. Um, And I think even having the knowledge and recognition that, you know, when we look at the DSM, as you said, essentially everyone who was not a white man uh, was pathologized, heterosexual, you know, cis white man. Yeah. Um, And the DSM was written exclusively by heterosexual cis white men. Yes. So and, and how much easier, <laughs> how much easier is, easier is it to say, well, this person has depression. This is what I'm going yeah. to label it as opposed to, oh, this person is struggling because of things like white supremacy and patriarchy yeah. and capitalism, all of which I benefit from in my white cis, <laughs> you know, heterosexual male I like body um in this position of authority and power. Like if you were to name that in that position. If Freud was to be like, oh yeah, you know, actually this person is uh, struggling because of white supremacy and patriarchy. Yes. Like <laughs> no fucking way would, would Freud or even like Carl Rogers or whoever, like I don't think any of these yeah. people who helped essentially build the field of psychology. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they were all, all, all white men. Yeah. They would and not identify all, this. Yeah, they were all caught, caught in their own worldview. And the shocking the shocking fact is that it's still taught this way yes. in graduate programs. Mm-hmm. Like Freud is still the core part of the curriculum in most programs. And yeah. there is such a lack of diversity of voices and perspectives and um and even space to question, well is this actually relevant or is that a damaging concept that, okay, Freud came up with that, but why are we still repeating that? It was a different culture, different consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, why are we not questioning this Yeah, and still passing this along? There is actually a lot of re-traumatization that happens in therapy rooms that mm-hmm. just like follow that paradigm. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm wondering here as we kind of unpack, (laughs) unpack all of it, um, if (laughs) if you can get a little specific for folks who maybe are listening and are like, well, okay, I get it. Like patriarchy. Okay. But like how, um, so I wonder if you can kind of share in, in your opinion, kind of how you define patriarchy. And then if we can get into like how you identify patriarchy stress disorder. Absolutely. It's important to, um, it's important to mention that when I say patriarchy, I don't mean men. Mm. 
Uh, I don't use these words interchangeably in this context at all. Um, what I mean by patriarchy is a system of oppression, inequality and oppression, where power has historically been in the hands of men, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, white men more specifically. Uh, there are variations in terms of men of color and how patriarchy plays out mm-hmm. uh, for them. And that power has been political, economic, and moral. So deciding yeah. what's right and wrong right, yes. has been also in the hands mm-hmm. of patriarchy. Yep. And that's important to understand. So what we all uh, kind of have been culturalized to believe, um, it comes from... It it comes from this quote unquote moral authority, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by patriarchy. And everyone, as as you already mentioned, across the gender continuum, is traumatized by patriarchy as a system of oppression in in their specific way. And those traumas are different and adaptations mm-hmm. are different. For example, for men, and I'm generalizing here, yeah. of course, uh, for men, the, the patriarchal mandate, um, the, the cost of membership in club patriarchy mm-hmm. has come uh, come up to this. You, you can't be in touch with your emotions. You can't be nurturing. You have to be aggressive, competitive, um, and, and that's kind of that. That's what it means to be mm-hmm. masculine. That's what it means to be a man. And for, for women, it's been like for white women specifically, it has been sugar and spice and everything nice. Mm-hmm. You have to be soft. You have to be quote unquote feminine. Um, yeah. So we have been really our whole culture is straightjacketed uh, around these things. And of course, the the, the gender uh, binary mm-hmm. also like yeah. comes comes from that condition, how it's been also reinforced through religion and through so, so, so many Mm -hmm. ways. Um, And what I see as trauma, I have broadened the definition in my work. And what I define as trauma is any experience that made us feel unsafe Mm -hmm. in our fullest authentic expression and led to creating trauma adaptations Mm -hmm. to keep us safe going forward. So when we look at it through that lens, um, there are just so, so, so many experiences that caused us to withdraw, to shut down, Mm -hmm. to dim our light. And again, that's true across the gender spectrum. And I'm focusing on women specifically because being a woman, I have that that firsthand experience, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And I also feel that... Again, in my experience, women um, have been the more motivated force in terms of the shift in consciousness, in terms of like rebalancing Hmm. things that need to rebalance in society. Again, it's my view. Mm -hmm. It's... uh, I'm not claiming uh, for it to be any kind of um, an absolute. But women who get into this work in trauma healing, what we see is not only their lives change dramatically, they step into their authenticity, their power, their voice. Uh, They start arranging their lives as aligned with their authentic desires. It is actually truly world changing because what happens Mm -hmm. is their freedom is so contagious. Um, Their children, their partners, their families, their communities their organizations begin to transform because mm-hmm. everybody, um, the work that we focus on in trauma healing involves rewiring the nervous system so that we can feel safe. Mm-hmm. And it is accomplished in community with the aid of mind, body, energy tools. And when that safety, we bring that safety back to the herd, if you will, you know, as humans are herd animals, uh, tribal animals, communal animals, we help that herd to recalibrate, to also like create safety there, create coherence, create congruence. Mm -hmm. And the safer we feel with one another, gosh, so many problems just automatically go away. Mm -hmm. Like um, from violence to like all shades of violence from microaggressions to like all screwy societal norms mm-hmm. that don't let people be who they truly are. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I really see trauma healing at the core of world change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, totally. I think when you do feel safer, you feel less fear. Mm -hmm. And when you feel less fear, you feel less hate. And you feel less like there is unknown. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of our dislike, a lot of our... Uh, abuse to each other comes from that space of unknown, of fear, of feeling unsafe. Um, And the closer we move in with people, the more safety we feel, the the less fear there is, the less there is unknown. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you speak of trauma, of this feeling of being unsafe, you know, I also think it's like unsafe and out of your control. Like, Mm. you know, the pandemic, Mm -hmm. like that's traumatic because yes, it's unsafe. And it's also like, we didn't have any control in this, you know, Mm -hmm. at least on an individual, you know, civilian level, right? We didn't have control over this. Something that Mm -hmm. just kind of happened in our life experience that now is, well, holy shit, how do we cope with this? And I think that's totally true for, you know, systems of oppression, right? Like I always say, like, I didn't consent to growing up in patriarchy or white supremacy. (laughs) Like I didn't, I didn't choose that. Um, It's just what is here and it is abusive. Um, yes. So yeah, it's like this thing that makes you feel unsafe, this thing that doesn't allow you to honor mm-hmm. and fully express your true self because it comes with all of these um, really bullshit guidelines and mm-hmm. lies. Um, and I think so much of what I end up doing even as a therapist here, and, and maybe you can relate to this, I'm not sure, but is essentially walking people through like a lot of the problems that you're sitting with, a lot of the reasons why you're not able to show up fully in who you are and who you want to be is because of all the messaging and conditioning that you've received. And like, it's so hard, but they are mostly all lies. Like you have Mm -hmm. been (laughs) taught and told so many lies and there's almost like a a grieving that comes with that. There's an anger that comes with that. There's a sadness that comes with that. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's a bit more of a, again, that's taking the problem away from you, right? That there are actually larger things at play here, like systems that are responsible for this. Yeah, absolutely. And um, these lies have really settled into the subconscious. Mm -hmm. And what we know from neuroscience is that our actions are decided in our subconscious. Mm. Um, And that's kind of a literally a mind-blowing realization because consciously, maybe some of of our listeners go right now, well, I don't buy into any of that bullshit, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Even though we consciously may not buy into this bullshit, like I I need to look a certain way to be acceptable or like whatever other conditions Mm -hmm. patriarchy, white supremacy places on our existence. But in our subconscious, all these lies live as basically trauma adaptations, mm-hmm. right? Trauma adaptations are created through these traumatic experiences and pa- passed down. There is this study that really put things in very tangible terms for me. And in this study, researchers introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to mice mm. while simultaneously zapping their feet with mild electric shocks. Mm -hmm. These mice were then bred and their children and their grandchildren, when exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms, showed a strong fear and anxiety reaction. Mm -hmm. So that just goes to show how trauma is transmitted without storytelling. Yeah. Stored in the body. Stored in the body. So... Even if you are super enlightened, woke, you don't believe any of that crap, there are very frustrating pieces of programming that are still running 
in your subconscious and in my subconscious, Mm -hmm. which I keep on uncovering through this work deeper and deeper. And every time it's shocking, Mm -hmm. like, why is that there? Yeah. Yeah. I would have never thought. Well, and even if you are sitting sitting in that position where you think, you know, consciously you're like fighting against all the stuff and you're like, like maybe an opportunity to, in some ways, humble yourself of understanding Mm -hmm. that like, this is still continuously happening to you today and not to sound Mm -hmm. like doom gloom here, but like, there's no escaping it. Like Mm -hmm. you are consistently needing to practice and are always given opportunities in life to be re-triggered yeah. by this to where yeah. you're not always going to be on it a hundred percent of the time even if you are thinking consciously like mm-hmm. i think the the piece of where this i mean i'm forgetting the name of the author but um the body keeps the score um yeah. about trauma how that's stored in your body um you know i think plays a huge role in how we show up intimately and sexually in our lives. Um, And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to how patriarchy stress influences or shows up and impacts our relationships and our sexuality. Oh, in so, 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 so many ways. Yeah. I've got a list written down. (laughs) I got bullet points. Oh, great. I'd love to see it. It, it, and, And this is that something that I, I believe in doing as a community, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. making our lists, checking them twice, yes. sharing with each other, like this is what's happening. Let's just make this real yeah. for each other. Let's witness each other. And I think that's what we're doing in this conversation right now, really validating those experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to start with what happens on the nervous system level. Yeah. Um, that trails back to where our bodies did not belong to us, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, we could not choose our sex part- partners. Mm-hmm. We could not, and, and that's shocking. It's just like gives me pause to even say that, like my tongue kind of stops moving in my mouth when I say that. Like we could not choose. Women did not have a choice. Yeah. Basically, a sexual experience for most women was rape, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's shocking. It's so deeply traumatic. And, and now, of course, the situation is, you know, somewhat different. And our bodies do carry those traumas. Sex is not safe fundamentally to our subconscious for, 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 for somebody who uh, generation after generation, right. Didn't, didn't have a say. And even if we did have a say, we had a say, like there was so, um, so little. And, and again, in, in some cultures more and some cultures less and differently, but, um, speaking of the, the mainstream culture in, um, the United States, right. Mm-hmm. It's just largely Puritan culture mm-hmm. and, yeah. There was so little sexual awareness and permission. So even if yeah. there was sex, there was like no actual like literacy. Yeah, so it was like this- make sure to have babies and only <laughs> the white women so that we can continue on, you know, with yeah. our Anglo-Saxon yeah. religion and yeah. creating our corporations and all the things, the trifuckery. Yeah. Uh, such fuckery it, it's also so sex is so loaded and i'm saying that so for folks who are listening to give permission to your subconscious and your, your 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 whole system to start unwinding right from the places where it may be holding on to oh something is wrong with me that i cannot like experience mm-hmm. sexual pleasure right? like i'm yeah. holding back i have these insecurities the system is full of adaptations and it's holding us back from basic being hurt. So on, on the nervous system level, it's it's often challenging to just fully relax, mm-hmm. to, to get yeah. fully aroused, to experience orgasm. So that's one. And of course, emotional intimacy as well. We, we're all, we all have so many trauma adaptations. There's this beautiful story, uh, a true story about the discovery of um, uh, the statue of the Buddha that was made out of plaster. And when they were moving the statue, they accidentally dropped it and it cracked. And so they went to examine the damage and realized that the plaster was covering gold. The statue was made out of pure gold. It is the the, the largest, 
solid gold statue of the Buddha. And this to me is such a metaphor for how we show up in relationships because the, the, the plaster was put to cover the gold to, to keep it safe from invaders. Uh, and that's what happens throughout our lifetimes and what we inherit as well. So we show up in our relationships and we're just full of plaster mm-hmm. that's covering our gold, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes we contribute, we trigger each other, right? Oh, yeah. And it's, um, so it's quite a task. So when people get on this journey of healing, one of the most beautiful things I I see is that they're able to show up more and more vulnerably, more and more authentically, AKA um, seeing each other gold to gold, Mm -hmm. relating in that way. And when we do, that creates a lot of safety, that creates a lot of permission to be who we are. Mm -hmm. So that's another key component. And one more I want to bring in. I, of course, the list is very, very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more that I hear a lot from women is, um, is the relationship that we have with our own bodies mm-hmm. where that relationship is so damaged by patriarchy. Mm-hmm. The patriarchy has been waging the war on women's bodies forever. So if we have quote unquote body issues, again, it's not our issues. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and it plays out in, in sexual relations. It plays out in self-judgment. Mm-hmm. It plays out, yeah, in um, disconnection, dissociations often, oftentimes and, and kind of shifting to that place of performative sex. Like, mm-hmm. am I looking good? Am I doing things right? Versus actually being in your body and in your experience and with your partner's experience. Mm-hmm. So there's so much, right? Yeah. We can well, go even, on and on. I mean, even being in your body is like, well, you have to understand and know your body and majority majority of us are not even actually taught the proper, like the, not proper, the uh, factual identification of our body parts. I mean, I think I was like 25 when I learned that like the outside is not my vagina, it's my vulva. Like that was like three years ago. (laughs) Like (laughs) we are not taught these things and we don't, when we can't even properly, I properly, when we can't even like actually identify our body parts, Mm -hmm. how in the fuck are we supposed to understand how they work or how we feel about them or how to connect with them if we don't even know Mm -hmm. what is this from that? Um, And so many of the... I mean, ugh, the whole like stinky vagina situation too of like, we need to be clean that like oh. our vaginas and our vulvas like need to be so clean. Like majority mm. of that is pushed on us through not only the system of patriarchy, but also the system of capitalism, which patriarchy mm. benefits from. Um, so it's, it's like, no, it's just, that's lies. There are so many lies. It's just just going through everything that, and again, consciously, we may have this Mm -hmm. conversation and tackle some lies and it's totally beneficial. Mm -hmm. And there is further to go. There is the Mm -hmm. place of where our subconscious keeps on playing out these patterns that are based on, rooted in these lies, traumatic experiences, trauma adaptations, and they show up as our thoughts. They show up as expressions in our body, mm-hmm. in our anxieties, in our um, energy levels, in a host of health expressions. Mm-hmm. Autoimmune conditions are just affecting women disproportionately to men and especially mm-hmm. women of color. Yeah. Right. There's a lot going on. And, and of course, in our choices and actions, that's where we see, that's where the rubber meets the road. Like, is your life going in full alignment with your deep, authentic desires or is your subconscious driving the bus away from it? Are you saying, I want a deep, intimate relationship with a partner who is like my equal in terms of like emotional and like in every way, uh, but you keep keep on falling for these guys who are toxic and, and really, really bad for you. And it's not because you're not smart, you're making bad choices. No, you are smart. If you could have figured that out, you would have figured that out a long time ago. It's because the subconscious is making those choices. And the subconscious is making the choices based on survival. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And familiar equals safe. If that yeah. relationship has a, or that that person has a familiar flavor, mm-hmm. even if that flavor is abusive yeah. or toxic, unfortunately, that's where uh, the subconscious is going to drive the bus. Totally. And, you know, the four, I believe it's four um, responses to trauma fight, flight, fawn, and freeze. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think those are all responses that we could probably at some point in our lives identify in terms of how we actually are showing up in our relationships. And, you know, I think a lot of the, the trauma response of fawning to something like Mm -hmm. patriarchy stress, um, ends up displaying itself in a form of internalized patriarchy where you're almost like Stockholm syndrome, if you will. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This is like the women voting for Trump. Mm, yeah, chills, chills. And a lot of this is unconscious, right? Because mm-hmm. consciously there may be yes. a totally quote unquote rational story mm-hmm. of making choices that are aligned with toxicity and abuse and subjugation of women and misogyny, whatever is playing out. And and there is another way. There is another way. There is a way to actually know your authentic desires. But that feels very dangerous. That feels very disruptive because historically women who reached for their desires, like those yeah. traumatized mice reaching for cherry blossoms, right? Mm-hmm. They remembered that the, the, there were negative consequences. Women were burned yeah. at the stake. Women were uh, drowned, decapitated, ostracized, excommunicated, bad things happen to women uh, throughout history for reaching for their authentic desires. So our desires are hidden even from us, our deep authentic desires by those trauma um, adaptations. So it is a very courageous journey Mm-hmm. Getting on this path of uncovering and healing layers of traumas and adaptations, covering our desires so that we can create safety around yeah. actually feeling them. And then, of course, going after them, aligning our lives in these directions that may be very disruptive mm-hmm. and ultimately liberating. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if there is any element or messaging or, you know, particular experience of patriarchy stress for you that you found particularly difficult to unpack? Mm. Like if there was any message or conditioning that like, as you've gone through this process where you've been like, God damn it, this keeps coming up or like, Oh, I thought I had practiced (laughs) this and here it is again. Yeah, and going through that deeper and deeper every day. So I am in a partnership with a man. Mm-hmm. We actually work together. We we teach together as well. Uh, his name is Jeffrey. And he's been on this journey of trauma healing as well for many years and this whole awareness and deepening. So probably the the deepest well there is unpacking this in the relationship and how his conditioning and my conditioning, they just interplay, right? That mm-hmm. patriarchy conditioning in him and in me. And it's very confronting because this is the work that we do, mm-hmm. right? And how how is it that my system would um, go to the default setting of taking up less space when mm-hmm. he is around yeah. and taking a back seat? It's, it's probably the most painful area for me, personally Mm -hmm. because it's just so confronting and it's daily because we work together and we are romantic partners we we are dancing this dance on a daily there's Mm -hmm. no escape from that hall of mirrors and of course our community are mirroring to us right what's going on so it's really honest and it's a deep well so for anyone on this journey or even like thinking about what it's going to look like what it's going to feel like it's it's going to be intense. Mm. <laughs> it's going to ask for your courage, for your vulnerability, and it's going to be the best thing ever. The ROI is immense because with each layer we uncover, there is so much more space, ironically, for both of us outside mm-hmm. of the patterns. So much more authentic connection and ecstasy in our relationship and in our love. It's like things are just unfolding, unfolding, and there is no limit to it. People say about relationships, there is quote unquote research. And 
there is research, right? But research is done in the patriarchal context of patriarchy conditioned relationships that like romantic connection doesn't last, this and that, like there's a year and a half and then there's a drop because people hit the the box, people hit those invisible in the walls. They want to expand authentically, but that conditioning is not allowing them to go there. And of mm. course it's maddening and then their affection goes away. Sexuality, like, um, you know, sex lives dry up. It's so common. Sexless relationships, marriages particularly are, are so mm-hmm. common. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be this way, but it does require in my experience... <laughs> You know, going deeper and liber- mm-hmm. go and getting on that journey of liberation so that you yeah. can have have your fullest experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the I'm almost wondering, you know, I think in in some aspects on a sexual level, are there parts of this that you feel work for us? Mm. Are there parts Mm. of patriarchy at all, in your opinion, that work for us? And you mean work for us uh, (laughs) as adaptive or like actually work for us? Like Like actually advantageous? Actually, not like, oh, we've, we've made it work for us, but like that actually work for us gosh i uh, i uh i haven't actually considered that i i would love to hear your thoughts on that if anything like comes to you and i'll mm-hmm. I'll, I'll keep looking at that too in my experience um any system that that owns morality yeah. and owns mm-hmm. power and tells us who we can be who we cannot be yeah, that's fucked up, and that mm-hmm. fuckery just uh, really limits our freedom, mm-hmm. our authenticity. And to me, no, that's not working. No matter mm-hmm. what, like conditional approval cookies I may be getting, yeah. and I've been getting a lot of conditional approval cookies mm-hmm. for like looking the right way, mm-hmm. talking the right way, right? Yeah. And I worked very hard on all these things, like being an immigrant from Russia, Mm -hmm. how I pass, you know, Mm -hmm. in the white American women kind of a Mm -hmm. paradigm. And it's hell to pay. Mm -hmm. There is hell to pay. Mm -hmm. And the reclamation runs deep Mm -hmm. um, to reclaim our true authenticity. So I feel, yeah, we have all have had to learn the game one way or another to survive and you know, make do in this world. Mm-hmm. And that's when I find, I feel that women find this work when they've played the game and it's no longer satisfying yeah. to them. Like they're done decorating the prison cell. They're like, no, mm-hmm. get me the fuck out of here. I'm tired. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. They're done, <laughs> no matter how many. They're done with the many. Stockholm syndrome and they're like, I'm going to bite this dick if I have to experience this one more time. <laughs> like they are no longer, they're no longer just going for it. They are fed up with it. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. I, I do agree. I think like any system that is to oppress people and have moral authority is fucked up. And I think the part where at least I frequently hear people push against patriarchy mm-hmm. is where folks start to talk on a evolutionary mm-hmm. approach mm-hmm. of, well, primally, mm-hmm. you know, this is how things are in nature or, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is how we evolved. You know, do you think you're going against your nature? Some of it feels mm-hmm. big ass lady. Um, but these are the kinds of, you know, <laughs> rebuttals and devil's advocate, if you will, that people bring yeah, to things totally. like fuck patriarchy. Yeah, totally. They, they, there's a lot of that biological imperative argument. And there are a lot of voices in, in those fields also that are c- coming up with like, 
um, uh, all different evidence, mm. even like, oh yeah, the hunters were the ones who like made sure the tribe survived. Like, no, actually it was women and children who were like gathering all the food and mm-hmm. hunting small animals. Like big game was not enough to feed the tribe. Mm-hmm. So it's not a biological imperative that uh, men should subjugate and oppress women and treat women as the lesser mm-hmm. sex. I mean, there is really no justification for that, mm-hmm. no matter how we splice it. But certainly, like, there are a lot of arguments that try. Yes. Yeah. And like, funny enough, they like always come from men. <laughs> funny enough. <laughs> Again, not an attack on men, but y'all do be upholding the system because it benefits you. So something to yeah. look at. Yeah, I mean, women, to be fair, women uphold this system yes, too. Absolutely. Sadly, sadly. Absolutely. So we need to hold ourselves accountable too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, if we get like topical right now, um, you know, what's happening right now in Texas with the abortion ban and, <sighs> you know, that. <laughs> is just one example of patriarchy coming in here. Um, it's also an example of white supremacy and capitalism, yeah. and all, all of yeah. the things. Um, but, you know, this is something that is enacted by predominantly white men, but also yeah. that literally millions of white women have encouraged and, and upheld um, as we see repeatedly that white women will support and choose whiteness over their own gender. Um, and knowing that majority of these laws and, you know, regulations and whatnot are actually going to be hurting not just women, but women of color. It is so chilling and it's it's such an inconvenient truth Mm -hmm. to face, Mm -hmm. you know, for white women. And I just want to say, again, just like with everything else we've been discussing here, this is something that we need to be very clear about, very aware of, and taking away that like guilt and shame yeah. because it is a survival thing. A mm-hmm. white woman could only survive by attaching herself to a yes. white man, period, end of story. So again, it is intergenerational, intergenerational trauma, it's yeah. survival, it's not our fault. And... Now that the situation is different, right? We yeah. got to work on that. We got to work on our nervous system. We got to question what's mm-hmm. in in our thoughts and our beliefs. We got to work with our subconscious because uh, yeah. otherwise, you know, yeah, otherwise we'll never we'll never dismantle these systems. So we need to keep ourselves accountable. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, I think I I find empathy and I find understanding because it's like, well, yeah, I know it's not your fault. Like, of course, of course you would. Like, I understand that piece. And I think, I mean, some people don't, um, but it's like you said, we're not some, I guess in some ways it is still like that, but in a lot of ways it's not. And so it's like, wait, can you gain awareness into what it is you're actually doing and not personalize this to you? Because it has always been, and especially now is literally life or death for other people. So for you to be choosing, you know, your, I want to say perceived, even though it's not entirely perceived because there's Mm -hmm. validity, but I'm going to say your perceived fear of being unsafe um, to choose that with centering yourself to whiteness and taking it personally as opposed to actually seeing the larger picture, separating yourself from that, you know, helping support other women who can actually relate to the experience that you have. Because again, I mean you can center yourself to that as much as you want, but ultimately you still on a system level are not Mm -hmm. a man. You were not someone that would benefit. And in a split second, they wouldn't give a shit about you. It is, it is so, so, so deeply tragic on so many levels. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I also want white women to hear and understand, and this is a message for me too, as my reclamation continues, right. Um, is that, our reclamation of our power, of our power, like 
yes, historically we didn't have the power and we um, had to attach ourselves to them, white men and their agenda. But now we have the power and also seeing clearly that our agenda may not align Mm -hmm. with their agenda and standing up for what what feels true, what is important, what is vital. That is a huge reclamation of our power. To me, like all this, like women's empowerment, like all this noise, all of it is bullshit unless we separate our agenda um, out, like we divorce it Mm -hmm. from the white supremacy, uh, patriarchal Mm -hmm. capitalist agenda as an umbrella and we come to our authentic place. One is actually to me as a human, Mm -hmm. right? Um, what is important because I feel when we're in our authentic place, we cannot fail but show up authentically. Mm-hmm. We can show up with women of color. We can show up yeah. across any kind of artificially created, mm-hmm. you know, agenda-based divides. Yeah, these socially constructed categories that are yeah. used to oppress us and categorize us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I didn't know this. I partially knew this is where our conversation would go, but I very, <laughs> I very much appreciate you holding space for this portion of our conversation and for like doing this work, not only professionally, but like personally as well. Because I think, you know, today, I think always white women have had certain uh, powers and have been uh, stripped of certain powers, right? And I almost akin it to like me being mixed, like being half black, half white. Like I have some power and I also in the same hand don't have a lot of power, but the power that I do have, I want to use for good. I want to use it as like my superpower um, because I know that there are other people who could Mm -hmm. benefit from me taking up that space and Mm -hmm. helping trying to make it better for other people. So I almost look at that as like, with white women, yes, there are some powers that people don't have, but there are some that you do have that you can yeah. use to help other people who mm. share your gender, who share your body parts yeah. that are like, you know, uh, at risk and uh, not yeah. safe in society. Um, but it does take that separation from yeah. the overall agenda. It takes that interpersonal work as as you've called it kind of this like reclamation um mm. of really coming into your authentic self and as you said that is courageous work that is fucking terrifying work like yes. it's work i've had to do on my own that's work that like i work with clients on and to me it's one of the most beautiful processes of being a human um yeah. and it's really hard <laughs> but it yeah, sounds like I'm, sounds I'm like your book so is a good you. step in helping people be able to do I'm that i'm <laughs> so with you taylor so i just want to like second everything you said and just so much compassion and love mm-hmm. and like woohoo to everyone on this journey you're going to mess up it's going to be painful yeah. you're going to uncover things that are going to feel very, I don't want to look at that. And you don't have to go it alone. I actually strongly believe that collective trauma requires collective healing. Mm -hmm. So we do this work in community. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually have community events several times Mm -hmm. a year, which are free to attend. Okay. Yeah. It's called the thriving experience. Mm -hmm. Um, We have our next one actually coming up in October. Okay. Yeah. That's soon. Yeah, that is soon. So the thrivingexperience.com is where you can learn more, you can register. Mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity to really be together and uh, look at some things that we might have internalized as not okay, something Mm -hmm. is wrong with us and get this very deep visceral experience that there is nothing wrong with us and start learning the tools to rebalance the nervous system, rewire the nervous system, create more safety Mm -hmm. for this courageous work, for these courageous explorations and conversations and basically shifting from survival to thriving from the game of how much can I bear to the game of how good can it get? Yes. Or all. Yeah. I love that. We'll definitely put that in the um, episode notes for people to check out. Um, And if people want to like follow your work or check out the book, where where are places that folks can go to find that? 
Yeah, thank you. Um, a great place to start is drvalerie.com, D-R-V-A-L-E-R-A-E.com forward slash book. You can download the first chapter of Patriarchy Stress Disorder mm. and uh, the tools, some uh, starter tools that the book comes with. You can start practicing, exploring. Um, and uh, I'm most active on Instagram at Dr. Valerie Rain. I love DMs. So feel free to reach <laughs> out with your thoughts uh, and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I do love that. Yeah. So stay connected, stay in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope you don't walk away from this thinking, oh, that, that was interesting, but you actually take the next mm-hmm. step to do the work. Yeah. And I mean, like you said earlier, to do the work that has to be done in community. Like it's honestly not work that in my opinion, you can do on your own. Like so much of my unpacking of internalized white supremacy, of internalized patriarchy, of internalized ableism, of literally all of the things happened in community, happened with close family and friends. And if I didn't have people to hold and walk, walk through that with me, I don't think I would have really actually understood what it was I was doing. (laughs) Same for me, Taylor. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for this lovely conversation and for doing the work that you do. And I really hope people do also check out all the resources. Um, Thank you so much. This was wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading, you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, Um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right, And, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.